Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast. I'm Chaz Hathaway. Today we're going to share the experience of Laurelyn Martin. She, this uh, experience can be found on near-death.com if you would like to see the text for it. So Laurelyn was a professional uh, tennis player and she was going in for a routine surgical procedure and her experience starts with, I believe it's the nurse, I would assume, um, helping her onto the operating table and giving her a motherly look. And then um, the nurse or whoever it is says, don't worry, we know this is your first time. We'll make this the most pleasant experience. We'll make this a most pleasant experience for you. And actually, it's probably the uh, surgeon that said that. So now we will follow with Laura Lynn's words. With those reassuring words, I drifted off to sleep. I awakened and found myself floating above my body, off to the right side, looking down, watching the attempts of the medical team trying to revive the lifeless form below. I viewed the scene with detachment. The surgical team was frantic. The, the color red was everywhere, splattered on their gowns, splattered on the floor, and a bright pool of flowing red substance in the now wide open abdominal cavity. Abdom I can never say abdominal without accidentally saying abdominal. Abdominable. Anyway, sorry. Uh, so the uh, abdominal cavity, wide open. At that moment, I didn't make the connection that the body being worked on was my own. It didn't matter anyway. I was in a state of floating freedom, experiencing no pain and having a great time. I wanted to shout to the distressed people below, Hey, I'm okay. It's fantastic up here. But they were so intent on their work, I didn't want to interrupt their efforts. I had traveled to another realm of total and absolute peace, with no physical body, my movement was unencumbered. Thought was the avenue for travel. I floated up through the blackness where there was no fear, no pain, no misunderstandings, but instead a sense of well-being. I was enveloped by total bliss in an atmosphere of unconditional love and acceptance. The darkness was warm and soft, a blanket of velvety love stretched endlessly, the freedom of total peace was intensified beyond any ecstatic feeling I've ever felt on earth. In the distance, a horizon of glorious white, golden light, beckoned me forward. As the brilliance increased and the encompassing rays stretched to meet me, I felt that time as we know it was non-existent. Time and existence were a blending and a melding of the past, present, and future in this one moment. A sense of all-knowing enveloped me. Every part of my being was satisfied with an unconditional love beyond description. All questions were answered. An inner peace without striving or achievement was created and understood. It flashed in my mind this was the pleasant experience the nurse had spoken about. So it was the nurse, not the surgeon, sorry. It was that this was the pleasant experience the nurse had spoken about. I understood why she didn't elaborate. Words and descriptions somehow lost the essence of the experience. I'm going to pause for a second there. When I first read this, I was tempted to think, what's she talking about? The nurse is trying to say, we're going to make this 
pleasant experience in, uh, in order to ease her mind. But my second thought was, yes, but how many times do we find people on the other side and they're looking at their body and they realize that some of the doctors, some of the people involved are not, you know, mortal staff, but are actually either angels in physical form, resurrected persons, or they are angels who the others can't see. Either way, it sounds like this might be one of those instances. The fact that it flashes in her mind, oh, this is what the nurse was talking about. I think that's so cool. It makes me think, how many times are we in the hospital when things get rough and we might actually have an angel for a medical person? I don't know. I mean, obviously, these people were in very life-threatening situations, but uh, kind of makes you think. Anyway, back to the experience. As I admired the beauty of the light, I was drawn closer, feeling the radiant warmth, infinite love, and lasting peace. I felt as if I were home, home in the light. Before I became further engulfed in the light, I became aware of many spirits. They surrounded, embraced, and supported my journey with their gentleness, knowledge, and guidance. I felt one of them approach from my right upper side. This familiar presence came forward, and my feelings changed to sheer joy when I discovered my 30-year-old brother-in-law, the one who had died seven months earlier from cancer. My essence moved to meet his essence. I couldn't see with my eyes or hear with my ears, yet I instinctively knew that it was Will's. I heard his smile. I saw his laughter and felt his humor. It didn't make sense, but it made complete sense. We were separate, but we were also one. It was as if I had become or I'd come home, and my brother-in-law was here to greet me. I instantly thought how glad I was to be with him, because now I could make up for the last time I had seen him before his death. I felt sad and a bit guilty for not taking the time out of my busy schedule to have a heart-to-heart -heart talk with him when he had asked me to. I realized I was not being judged by him, but by myself. I was in his position, dying, wanting to say goodbye to those I loved, and then meeting people like myself, not getting it. Not getting that all the, attach or all the achievement, money, or recognition in the world cannot be taken with you when you die. The only thing you take with you is the love you give away. Wills gave love away his whole life. In a sense, he was ready to leave our physical world and continue his work in the spiritual world. People, like my sister, who were left behind without their beloved, sometimes didn't understand. I would have to remember to tell Gwen about my discovery. The ones who depart are, the, are in a loving space with much guidance, understanding, and purpose. Their wish upon departure is not to bring sorrow and grief to others, but to honor the divine plan. It is their time for transition, for the continued development of their soul. Many times the departed loved ones will work in ways to help, serve, and guide others. Wills' gentle guidance allowed me to view my innocence. I understood instantly 
life was about people, not pursuits. I was putting pursuits first as a means to seek approval and love from people. Once I understood, I forgave myself for my actions, and in the act of forgiving, I received love in abundance. By giving love, one receives the experiences a tremendous, let's see, by giving love, one receives and experiences a tremendous love from the universe. Wills was like the spirit of Christmas past. By reviewing my past, I was brought to new places of discovery within myself. Many events were shown simultaneously. I recall two examples. When I was five years old, I teased Tammy Fowler, another five-year-old girl, to the point of tears. I was now in a unique position to feel what Tammy felt. Her frustration, her tears, and her feelings of separateness were now my feelings. I felt a tremendous amount of compassion for this child. I was Tammy and needed love, nurturing, and forgiveness. My essence gave love to both of us, a love so deep and tender, like the love between a mother and a child. I realized by hurting another, I was only hurting myself. Again, I was experiencing oneness. The next incident was similar. I made fun of Billy Bradley, a scrawny, malnourished, asthmatic kid. He died when he was 17 years old from a cerebral aneurysm. He seemed to be in the realm of existence I was in, yet I was not sure where I was. When Billy was 12, he had written me a love letter that I rejected. I was experiencing his pain, which became my pain. At the same time, I felt a tremendous amount of love for this boy and myself. My contract with him went beyond the physical, and I felt his soul. He had a vibrant, bright light burning inside him, feeling his, love, uh, his, feeling his spirit's strength and vitality was an inconceivable moment, especially knowing how much he physically suffered when he was alive. The message was clear. The message was love. Above and beyond all else, uh, anything else, one must first learn to love oneself non-judgmentally and unconditionally. Then one will actually love all people and all things the same way. I realized how important people were in life, how important it was to accept them and love them. And I finally understood the old Mohegan saying that I had heard when I was a Girl Scout. Never judge another squaw until you have walked a mile in her moccasins. As I reviewed my life with Wills, my judgment prevailed, and I remember thinking, I've done worse things in my life. My question was answered before I finished my thought. All events in your life are significant. To bring an understanding of all things, even the experiences which you consider insignificant, will bring you to places of great awareness and compassion. I'm going to read that again because I, th I think that's significant. To bring, let's see, all events in your life are significant. To bring an understanding of all things, even the, experience which you, the experiences which you consider insignificant, will bring you to places of great awareness and compassion. By the time my review was finished, I understood. 
I was aware of an almost cathartic release. I experienced emotion without the physical signs of tears. It brought me to a deep place of understanding and compassion. I never took the time to think how my actions affected others or how I treated myself. I felt a grieving for all my unconscious actions. With awareness of my unaware state, I released all the grief I had ever caused and joyfully moved into forgiveness. Other thoughts were conveying or were conveyed, and I remember thinking, Wow, now I get it. Everything about our existence finally makes sense. I had more questions for Wills. The transference of information was immense and reassuring. He kept saying, All is known. You have simply forgotten. I didn't feel like I knew anything, yet there was a place in me that knew everything. I asked Wills if I could stay. He said, It's not your time yet. There's been a mistake. You have to go back. I remember thinking, Okay, I'll go back, but I can get back up here. At that same instant, his thoughts were mine. You can't take your own life. Suicide for you isn't the answer. That won't do it. You have to go back and live your life's purpose. I responded, I understand, but I don't want to go back. Will's thought came to me again. It's okay. We're not going anywhere. We'll be here for you again. His last communication was, Tell your sister I'm fine. With those thoughts, I felt myself going back, dropping downward through the darkness. I was not afraid. Instantly, I felt myself slam into my body. That's the end of Laurelyn Martin's account. If you would like to read her book, it is Searching for Home, A Personal Journey of Transformation and Healing After a Near-Death Experience. And though I haven't read it myself, I, I am very interested in, in reading it. It's only 192 pages long. On Amazon, it's like five bucks. With, that's with shipping. <laughs> so, so, I mean, it's a great deal. Um, what a beautiful experience. What a beautiful experience. I mean, her life review is very characteristic of so many others. You know, her mention of the spirit of Christmas past, that uh, it, her, her brother-in-law is, is kind of like the spirit of Christmas past. If, if you remember in the story, the spirit of Christmas past was, was both youthful and wise and vibrant and, and uh, joyful and um, solemn all at the same time. Uh, and um, I have, since reading Near-Death Experiences, read the uh, Christmas Carol. And my thought the whole time, it was this last Christmas that I, I read it again. And just every time I read it, I'm blown away by it. But this time I was like, man, this is like a near-death experience. I mean, if somebody, if I had never heard this book and then I heard the story, I would think, this is a near-death experience. I mean, <laughs> it's fiction, I know. But I can't help wonder about Charles Dickens. I mean, he had several books about witches and, and about uh, uh, ghosts and, and other 
you know, kind of paranormalish stuff, which, you know, admittedly, at his, in his time, Christmas was a time for ghost stories. It was kind of a tradition, much like it is uh, for us at Halloween time. But, uh, but, and so I've always written it off in that sense, uh, you know, just saying, well, it was a time of ghost stories. That's what you do. And yet the experiences he has are both beautiful and solemn and a little bit frightening, but they so sound like a near-death experience. I would not be surprised if Charles Dickens had a near-death experience and played with it as part of his fiction and probably changed his life, much like uh, a near-death experience had. Because look at look at the experiences Scrooge had and, uh, and then how he changed his life. He's like, I get it, I get it, I get it. He has this life review in the first one. He has the experience of seeing and hearing other people um, in their context and, and is told by the um, spirit um, what, you know, a little bit of, of the context and what they're thinking and feeling and so forth. And then he even sees his own future and, and his own death in a sense and so forth. And that's, it's all very near-death experience I don't know. <laughs> Just a thought there, but... Anyway, I thought this was a beautiful experience and definitely one worth sharing. If you would like to contact me um, and either make a comment on the podcast, share your experience on the podcast, or um, just have a question, feel free to contact me at neardeathexperiencepodcast at gmail.com or you can uh, call 970-NDE-CAST. It will give you three minutes. And if you need more time, just keep calling back until you share your full experience, however long you need. It's my podcast, and I reserve the right to have it go as long as I want. We've had them go as long so far as an hour and a half. And frankly, I'm awesome with that. And if, if an experience is a three-hour experience, I may split it into two episodes, but I want it all to be there. There's so many uh, podcasts that I'm listening and they're just getting into the meat of it. And they say, oh, unfortunately, we're out of time. And I'm like, what? Ah, you know, uh, and, you know, it, I'm OK with it when they say, so we're going to split this into another podcast. But, uh, you know, hang on the line because we're going to continue. And then I'm cool with it. But uh, but this is my podcast, so I'm going to go as long as I want. There will be short episodes like this one sometimes uh, because... You know, it's it just the way it works out sometimes. But uh, yeah, so also you can comment on the blog itself, and I will see those comments. I'm I'm not the most uh, social media savvy person. I enjoy it, but basically what it comes down to is I often don't check uh, things for a couple of days, and these podcasts are usually uh, recorded approximately a week in advance. So if you don't hear your comment or something on the uh, podcast within a week or two, then, you know, just contact me again and, and I'll try to, you know, share it on the podcast um, because I may have just missed it. But uh, anyway, thank you, all of you, so much for listening.